Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you guys here. And we are so excited about beginning a brand new series this morning uh, that we are calling Jonah. It's named after the Old Testament book of Jonah, a fantastic uh, book of the Bible. And I just want to say that if you're a guest with us uh, here this morning, thank you so much for being with us today. And we count it an absolute honor uh, that you would spend your Sunday morning here with us. We know there's a lot of things you could be doing on Sunday morning. So the fact that you decided to come, uh, we count that a great uh, honor. And honestly, I think that um, being here today, you came at a perfect time uh, because we're beginning a new series and the beginning of a new series is kind of the beginning of a new thought process. And so you get to join us at the beginning of that and kind of get acquainted to Grace Church. So thanks so much for being here. So excited about getting into this Old Testament book, the book of Jonah. Let me just ask a question to start this series off. All right. So just a question by show of hands. Let me just ask you, how many of you would say that you're familiar with the book of Jonah? Or at least vaguely familiar, vaguely familiar with the book of Jonah. Okay, yeah. That's sort of what I thought. The vast majority of us would say, yeah, I'm kind of familiar with the book of Jonah. Now, here's the thing. That's actually going to be a problem. All right? And uh, in this series, that's going to be something that we're going to have to overcome a little bit. And, and here's what I mean by that. If I was to ask you a different question, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but if I was to ask you, how many of you have thoroughly and thoughtfully read through the book of Jonah? Um, I think that that number would be very, very small, right? That many of us are familiar with the book of Jonah, but very few of us would say that we've actually thoroughly and have thoughtfully read through um, this book, the book of Jonah. And again, if you've never read the book, some of you are in here and you're like, I've never read the book of Jonah, but I'm familiar with it. And if that's the case, that's not a problem. But the, the, the issue that that presents is this, is that sometimes our familiarity can be a barricade to us understanding Um, what the message is behind the book of Jonah. Because here's what I know. If you're familiar with the book of Jonah, there is one thing that we associate with that book, right? There is one thing that comes to my mind, uh, to our mind whenever we talk about Jonah. And what is it, right? It It is the fish. It is the whale. And oftentimes that's what we tend to associate with the book of Jonah. In fact, I was uh, getting on the internet and just did a little bit of research, went to Google Images, went to Amazon, went to Pinterest, and just typed in Jonah. I just thought, well, let's see what kind of images come up. And of course, by and large, the images that you see all are associated with Jonah and a fish. And so let me just show you a few of those images. The thing I found was really fascinating about some of these images too is that by and large, most of the images that come up about Jonah are portrayed to us through children's media. And so, for example, just a a sampling, a lot of the images that come up are children's books. And so here you have um, illustrated books are all actually titled the same title, different authors, Jonah and the Whale. And so you have these cartoon images of the whale, these cartoon images of Jonah. And for a lot of us, that's kind of the image that might come to our mind when we think of Jonah. I went to Pinterest, typed in Jonah. Of course, you get all these cutesy craft ideas, Jonah-themed cutesy crafts. Here's a few of those, right? So you have a little Jonah snack plate there, which is interesting. Which is fascinating because Jonah's in the belly of the fish and then that's going to be in the belly of a child. I'm not sure how all that works out. So that's interesting. And then over here you have a clothespin Jonah with live action swallowing qualities. It's phenomenal. And those type of things. And then this one I thought was fascinating as well. If you go to the next slide, um, there's a stuffed animal version of Jonah. And I don't, I don't know why that one struck me as kind of morbid. Um, only because, do you notice the fish has a zipper mouth? And I'm like, so kids can shove Jonah in the fish and zip it. I don't really understand that. But, but there's something about that. That's what we tend to be familiar with is we think of Jonah, we think of the fish. And really, quite honestly, for most of us, the images that come to our mind tend to be ones that are portrayed through children's media. 
And here's the problem with that, right? The problem is that with Jonah, and really, honestly, with a lot of Old Testament narratives, stories in the Old Testament, is that oftentimes we are only familiar with them because they have been portrayed to us and have been mediated to us through children's media forms, right? So when you think of Daniel in the lion's den, or you think of David and Goliath, or you think of Jonah in, in, in the story with the fish, Oftentimes, we tend to think that those are associated with children's literature. And the problem is that we have never thoroughly and thoughtfully read through those stories on our own. And so what that leads to then, the result is that oftentimes we just dismiss them. We just think, oh, that's a childish story, right? That's, uh, that's lacking substance. It's kind of a simple-minded story for simple-minded people. And sure, it has a great moral to it, but it really has nothing to do um, with my life, my daily life at all. And that that's can kind of be the result of that. And in fact, I would say that if there's two things that the book of jo- Jonah is popularly known for in our culture, it's this. Number one, the book of Jonah is popularly known to be a children's story about a man who was swallowed by a fish, right? And number two, the book of Jonah in our culture is popularly known to be a, a point of criticism uh, for those who doubt the reliability of the Bible, In fact, I would just say that if you're a person in this room today that's in that category, if you're like, I'm not sure I believe in God, I'm kind of investigating the whole church thing, I'm investigating the whole Jesus thing, this might be one of your points of skepticism, right? You might be thinking, I don't know if I can believe that the Bible's reliable when it has stuff like this in it. Am I supposed to take this literally? Am I supposed to believe that that there was a big fish that swallowed some guy? Am I supposed to take that? Is that that supposed to be like a a myth? Is that a metaphor? And if it is a myth, and if it is a metaphor, then then how do I know that the rest of the Bible isn't a myth either? How do I know that Jesus actually rose from the grave? And this can present for many of us a problem. And, And this is why, in part, and there's much, much more, many, many more reasons why, this is in part why we want to do this series, okay? Because we want to take some time through this series and take a deeper dive into the book of Jonah. And yes, pun is absolutely intended. All throughout this series, all kinds of puns are awaiting us. And we want to take a deeper dive into this series because I believe, in fact, I'm confident of this, that when you thoroughly and thoughtfully work through this book, that you're going to be surprised. I am confident of this, that you're going to be surprised at how profound this book is. Uh, This book is brilliant. Um, From a literary standpoint, which we're going to get into a little bit later today, from a literary standpoint, the book of Jonah is nothing short of a masterpiece. It is so well written. In fact, the book of Jonah is very short. It's only four chapters. It is less than 600 Hebrew words. And so it is very brief. Just to give you some sense of scale, an average sermon that I give is about 3,000 words. Right? Some of you are like, I wish you were more like Jonah. And I can't blame you on, on that if that's what you're thinking. But Jonah's only 600, less than 600 Hebrew words, but it is so brilliantly written. I think you're going to be shocked and surprised that this thing is a masterpiece. I think you're also going to be surprised about this. You're going to be surprised at how sophisticated this book is. That to really understand the meaning of this, that you actually have to be a grown-up. Uh, that, that the themes stretch beyond um, just childhood. And I honestly think that you're going to be surprised both, um, both pleasantly surprised and, quite honestly, you're going to be painfully surprised how much this book has to do with you, how unbelievably relevant it is to our lives and to, and to our situation here today. And so we're going to do that together. So today what we want to do 
is, is just, just, this is a six-week series. We're going to thoroughly and thoughtfully work our way through the book of Jonah for the next six weeks. And I'm really, really excited about that. Today, all I want to do, though, real basically, is I just want to give a high-level introduction. Okay, so this week is an introduction. And really what we want to do is want to introduce you to the book of Jonah, help you get to know it a little bit. And we want to really kind of today unravel some of the presuppositions and, and some of the preconceived notions that we bring to this book. So we want to kind of deal with that a little bit and do a high-level introduction. Now, I will just tell you that as we do today's introduction, it's going to give you a fair warning on this, it's going to be a little bit heady, all right? Now, the book of Jonah, for certain, is a book that's going to transform our hearts. Absolutely. And this is a book that's going to propel us into action, without a doubt. But today, we really want to engage your mind. And so I want to invite you to put your thinking cap on with me a little bit. We're going to go into some background on the book of Jonah. And I want you to track with me. All right, work to track with me because this stuff is really, really, really important as it relates to understanding um, the rest of the book of Jonah. All right, so introduction. Without any more on that, why don't you take your Bibles with me and let's turn to Jonah chapter 1. So let's go ahead and get your Bibles and turn there. Jonah chapter 1. And uh, by the way, Jonah chapter 1, if you did not bring a Bible with you this morning, you're going to be able to find that on page 645 in those Bibles that we have laid out there for you. And you can go ahead and flip to Jonah chapter 1 that way if you want to. And I will also just say um, that if you are a guest with us this morning and you do not have a Bible, uh, we think it is so important that you have a Bible, and especially in this series, because we're going to actually challenge you to read through the book of Jonah on your own. And so if you don't have a Bible, do me a favor take one of ours. All right. Happy Valentine's Day. We love you. I want you to have a Bible. Um, the other thing is, you, if you want to as well, you can also access the Bible on our app. Grace Church has an app. You go to the app store, search for Grace Ohio. When you find that app, download it and then click on the Medina East Campus and Jonah will be prepared for you. All right. So once you get Jonah open, wherever you have it, go ahead and just put it on your lap and let's just go ahead and start. So a little bit of background on this book, on the book of Jonah. Let's just start with that. So the title of the book of Jonah uh, comes from the main character in the book of Jonah, um, this guy named Jonah. I'll just give you a couple little facts about him. Here's the first thing I want you to know about Jonah. Jonah uh, was an Old Testament prophet from the northern, uh, from the northern kingdom of Israel. All right? And so basically what that means is this, is that Jonah was a prophet. He was a Jewish prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, some of you might know this. Prophets in the Old Testament, basically what those guys were is they were God's spokespeople. So the way in which God would speak in the Old Testament was that he would oftentimes appoint a person, appoint a prophet, give them a message, and that prophet would then portray that message to God's people. In fact, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 1, he says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets, and many times and in various ways. And, and then he says, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So there was a time in which God spoke to his people primarily through prophets. And Jonah was one of those prophets. He was a spokesperson who would speak on behalf of God. Another thing I want you to know about Jonah is that from a historical standpoint, from a biblical and historical standpoint, uh, Jonah was a historical figure. Okay, so Jonah's a historical figure. Uh, what I mean by that is he, he is not isolated to the book of Jonah. Uh, the, he's mentioned in the book of Second Kings. Jesus Christ himself actually talks about 
Jonah. Uh, Jonah is attributed to a certain time and a certain place, to certain kings and to a certain genealogy. And so the reason I'm telling you that is because the Bible recognizes Jonah as a historical figure. He's not just, uh, he's not just a fictional character that's made up for this story. He's a real person who's tied to genealogy, who's tied to location, who's tied to dates and actual real historical events that took place. In addition to that, the other thing about Jonah that's important for us to know is the year in which scholars believe it was written. Scholars believe the book of Jonah was written between about 790 and 760 BC. And again, the reason that this is important is because there were certain historical events that took place during that time in Israel's history that are historically verifiable outside of the Bible. There's extra biblical resources that verify some of the activities that we're going to see in the book of Jonah. And again, all of that just lends credibility to this book, all right? And, and so, and we see it's tied to history. It's tied to time. It's tied to certain geographical locations and historical events. And we see that there. So it's just a small amount of background on the book of Jonah. Now, let me just talk a little bit longer about the literary genre of the book of Jonah. And we're going to spend a little bit of time on this because this is really, really, really important to understanding how to read the book of Jonah. As some of you might, might know, maybe you've been coming to the Medina East campus for a while and you may have heard us talk about this before, but the key to understanding uh, the Bible and the key to good Bible study begins in understanding the literary genre of the book that you're reading. Um, if you've been coming to the Medina East Campus for a while, you've probably heard us say this, but it's worth saying again. The Bible, um, contrary to what many people believe, is not actually one book. It's not just one book that was written by one author in one time, that type of thing. The better way to think of the Bible is this. The Bible is actually a library, okay? It is 66 manuscripts that were written by over 40 different authors on three different continents over the course of 1,500 years. And so what we're holding when we're holding our Bible is we're holding a compilation. We're holding a library uh, of these different manuscripts that have been compiled together. And as we've talked about in the past before, these 66 manuscripts that we have in the Bible are all different literary styles. And so there are certain parts of the Bible that are history, and there are certain parts of the Bible that are poetry. And as all of us know, history and poetry read differently. Now, there are certain parts of the, the Bible that are biography. There are certain parts of the Bible that are letters, right? And so one of the keys to understanding the Bible is first by asking, what is the literary genre that I'm reading? I think, honestly, that a lot of skepticism and doubt and confusion that many have about the Bible can be resolved with this one issue. And understanding that we're not just dealing with one book, but we're dealing with a library of manuscripts that have been put together. All right, so, so here's the analogy I like to use with that. I like to talk about, uh, use the analogy of a newspaper, right? I don't know if any of you actually read the newspaper anymore. Remember those old things? Uh, but in the newspaper, um, you guys know it's chunked into different parts. It's split up into different sections. So you have a business section, you have a sports section, and you have the obituaries, and you have the classifieds. And anyone who reads the newspaper understands that you approach those differently. And so you don't read the sports section like you read the business section, right? And you're not going to read the obituaries like the comics because that would be really, really morbid if you did that. And so we don't do that. And so in the same way, the key to understanding any book of the Bible is to first begin by asking, what is the literary genre that we're dealing with? So what is the literary genre of the book of Jonah? Well, here's the, the, the thing with this. There's a little bit of, a, of debate about what is the literary genre of the book of Jonah. In fact, there's really two main camps among scholarship. And there's a little bit of debate. And the reason there's debate 
is because the book of Jonah is so categorically different than any other book in the Bible. Jonah is extremely unique in the way that it's written. And so I'm just, without giving you too much details on this, I'm just going to give you the two primary views that Orthodox Christian scholars hold on the book of Jonah. Okay, so here's the first one. Uh, There is a large segment of scholars that would look at this book and say what we're dealing with is didactic historical narrative. A didactic historical narrative. What does that mean? That's just a very fancy pants way to say that this is something that actually happened. All right, so there is a segment of scholarship, and it's a very large one, that would say the book of Jonah is didactic. Didactic means intended to teach. It is historical, which means this is factual. The events in this book actually happened, literally. And then it's narrative, meaning it's told in story form, that it's, it, it's presented to us by way of, a, of story. And so that's one view among scholarship. Now, here's the, the second view. And again, this is very popular, but equally as large group of people as, as, a, as the first category. They would say that it's narrative parable. And basically, narrative parable, again, that's just a fancy pants way of saying this. It's basically saying that the events that took place in this book are not intended to be taken literally because it's a parable. And all of us understand how parables work. Parables are, are, are witty stories that are told in such a way to convey a point. And so these are the two primary views that are held by um, kind of Orthodox Christian scholars today. They would say it's one of these two things. So one group of people would say actually happened, historical facts, historical people, true, true thing. Another group of people would say, no, it's a parable. And even though it utilizes real people and utilizes real places and real events, it's not intended to be taken literally because the primary purpose is that it is a parable. All right. Now, having said all of that, before you make a decision on what you believe the book of Jonah is, I think there's a couple of things that you need to consider. So let me, let me just give you a couple of thoughts here. And, and let me, just as way of an example, let me just use the fish um, as, as our point of reference, all right? Because the fish is obviously a big, a big deal when we talk about the book of Jonah. It's the thing that most of us tend to think of when we think about the book of Jonah. So let me just deal with the fish for a minute. For some of you who are here today, you might be thinking to yourself, oh man, we're studying the book of Jonah. That sounds really cool and everything, but dude, I, I just can't buy the fish thing. I just can't buy that. I can't believe that that actually happened. I can't swallow the fish thing. And again, pun absolutely intended every time. I'm certifiably a dad of three, so I'm allowed to use dad jokes liberally. And I will, right? And, and you're like, I can't buy the whole fish thing, right? And, and for some of you, you might be thinking to yourself, because I can't buy the fish thing, does that mean that I should just stay home for the next six weeks? Because I can't get over that. And if I can't believe that, then who's to say I'm going to be able to believe anything else that's in this book anyway, right? And if that's where you're at, I just want to say a couple things by way of consideration. Here's the first one. The, the account of a man being swallowed by a giant fish is actually not an isolated account in the book of Jonah. And what I mean to say is there are other references to this actually occurring. I just want to share this story with you, almost more as a form of entertainment than anything else. I don't know if you know this, but uh, just a little bit over 100 years ago in the late 1800s, there was a story that was released in the New York World magazine uh, that was called A Modern Day Jonah. In fact, I'll show you a picture. This is uh, uh, the line drawing that was in that article. And basically, the article accounted for a story of a man who was swallowed by a whale and who lived to tell the tale. It's actually a true story. It was in the New York World Magazine in the late 1800s. In fact, I'll just read you an excerpt from that magazine. Here's what it says. It says, in the late winter of 1891, the whale ship Star of the East was in the vicinity of the Falkland Islands when it came within sight of a whale. 
The two boats were dispatched with harpoons to snare and kill the beast. But the lashing of its tail capsized one of the launches, spilling the crew into the sea. All were accounted for except for one single sailor, James Bartley. Ultimately, the whale was killed and the carcass was drawn aboard the vessel to begin the process of salvaging valuable resources. By the next day, good progress had been made in removing the layers of blubber from the beast. So a tackle was attached to the stomach to hoist it on deck. Listen to this. Sailors were startled by spasmatic life within the belly of the whale. And upon further inspection, the missing sailor was found in the belly of the whale. Bartley was quite mad for two weeks, is what it says. The guy that was in the fish. He says, but upon recovering his senses, he recounted what little he could recall of being dragged underwater. Struggling for his life, he had been drawn into darkness within which he felt a terrible and oppressive heat. He found slimy walls that gave slightly to his touch, but he could find no exit. And then I love this line. When his situation finally dawned on him, you know, that he was in a fish, he says, on him, Bartley lost his senses completely and lapsed into a state of catatonia. All right, so this is a historical story of a guy who actually got swallowed by a fish. And so what all I'm saying is, it's kind of more for entertainment value, but what I'm saying is, it's not outside of the realm of possibility. It has happened before. All right, but nonetheless, if you're like, dude, can't buy the fish, I can't, I can't necessarily believe that. Listen, I want to, in this series, I want to give you an out. I want to give you an out. I think it's okay if you don't necessarily buy that. And, and here, here's why I say that. Because from a, a textual standpoint, the fish is not the main point of this book. As a matter of fact, even though the fish is, is big, he is a small part of this story. The fish shows up in two sentences in the entire book of Jonah. And so I think that it's okay. I don't want, I don't want you to miss the point of what the book of Jonah has to teach us. And so I want to give you an out. Now, I know that there are some of you who maybe kind of grew up in the church and stuff, and you might be thinking to yourself, well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, if you don't literally believe that Jonah was swallowed by a fish, then that must mean that you don't believe that God can perform miracles. And if you don't believe that God can perform miracles, that must mean that you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And if you don't think that Jesus rose from the dead, then you, my friend, are not a Christian, right? And if you're not a Christian, you might as well not be an American, right? And that's what you're thinking. And, and uh, I don't know if you're thinking all that, right? But listen, here's the thing. That's, this is exactly what I want to avoid. This is exactly what we want to avoid. Because again, listen, this story is not about the fish. It's not the primary aim of the story. And I don't know how it's become, but in the church, for whatever reason, Jonah has simply become the litmus test for whether or not we believe that God can perform miracles. And that is not what the book of Jonah is about. See, the real, the real issue, I think, that we're running into is the issue of something called exegesis and eisegesis. If you've never heard of that, let me introduce you to these two terms, exegesis and eisegesis. They're really big words. They're $10 words that are used to portray a very simple idea. And here's what they are. Okay, exegesis is a word that means to draw out. Eisegesis means to put in. And whenever you're studying the Bible, this is true for Jonah, this is true anywhere in the Bible, we always want to be very careful to practice exegesis and not eisegesis. Right, what's the difference? Here's exegesis. Exegesis is I'm coming to the Bible and I want to draw out the meaning. Right? I'm coming to the Bible and I'm letting the Bible speak for itself. And I want to draw out the meaning. So for example, the Apostle Paul wrote some letters in the New Testament. I want to draw out what did the Apostle Paul mean. 
He wrote to a certain group of people, certain group of people in a certain place in a certain time. And I need to draw out what the Apostle Paul means. Okay, that's exegesis. Here's eisegesis. Eisegesis is I'm putting in. I'm putting in my thoughts. I'm putting in my presuppositions. I'm putting in my cultural perspectives. I'm putting in my prejudices. And I'm using the Bible basically as a proof text for my own opinions. And you guys know as well as I do. This is incredibly dangerous. There has been immensely irresponsible things that have been done with eisegesis. Because many of you know, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. But here's the issue. You have to make it. You have to take things out of context and rip things out of their original meaning and make the Bible say what you want it to say. And that is incredibly irresponsible. And so listen, with the book of Jonah, this is all I'm asking you. Before you make an opinion on what you think the book of Jonah ought to be and what you think the book of Jonah should be, would you just do this first? Would you just let the book of Jonah speak for itself? Can we just, can we just agree? Let's start at ground zero. And let's, let's forget what the cultural presuppositions are. Forget what all the skepticism you've heard in the past is. And let's thoroughly and thoughtfully go through this book together and let Jonah tell us what it should be. All right? So that's kind of our starting point. Now, that's kind of a long way to say all of this. But basically, the, as, as it relates to literary genre, there are two basic views. One says this actually happened. It's historical narrative. One says, no, it's a parable. And, and scholarship is divided on that issue. But let me just tell you that among all the scholars, there is one thing that they agree on. And the one thing that everyone agrees on about the book of Jonah is that the literary device that's used to tell this story is satire. All right, so the book of Jonah, everyone agrees, all the scholars agree that this book is satirical. As some of you guys remember if you go back to literature class back when you were in high school or if you're in high school, remember literature class, when, when they talk about this idea of satire, what is satire? Well, let me just refresh your memory. Satire uh, definition from, dictionary, uh, from Webster's Dictionary is it is a way of using humor, irony, and exaggeration to show that someone or something is foolish, weak, bad, etc. Humor that shows the weakness or bad qualities of a person, government, society, Etc. So what is satire? Satire is using things like humor, things like uh, irony, and things like exaggeration, basically as a, as a way to point out the absurdity of something. Right? That's what satire is. It's funny, and it's intended to be funny. Uh, what are some modern forms of satire? Well, just think this way. Modern forms of satire, Saturday Night Live. That's, that's, it's satirical, right? They use, in some circumstances, they use real people. They'll use real historical people. So they'll use real presidents or real political figures. And they'll use exaggeration and they'll use irony and they'll use humor basically to speak commentary onto something, right? That, that's satire. Think of The Onion. I don't know if you guys have ever read that before, but it's a satirical piece of literature. Think of political cartoons, okay? That's all satire. And what's the point of satire? Here's the point of satire. The point of satire is to point out the absurdity of something. And then while you're laughing at the absurdity of something, you realize that you're laughing at yourself. That's satire. Do you guys ever have that happen to you before when you're watching like a Saturday Night Live skit or like something on YouTube and they're using satire to make fun of American culture? Do you ever have this happen and you're watching it? And as you're watching it, you're both laughing and cringing at the same time. Because you're like, oh my gosh, is that so funny? But oh my gosh, is that so true? And I am, you're, you're laughing at it, but you're equally like, man, that's me. I'm that way. And I'm just saying, if you can identify with that, that's the book of Jonah. 
That's exactly what's happening. It's, it's this form of satire that's used in such a way that we're laughing at Jonah. He's pointing out the absurdity of him. And while we're laughing, we come to realize that we're really laughing at ourselves. This book has a lot to do with us. And we're going to see that. And, and, and the crazy thing is, you see it right from the very beginning of this book, this form of satire. And can I just say this? That it's for this reason and, and really many other reasons. I love the Bible. Man, I love the Bible. To me, it's evidence that God truly understands the complexity of, of you and I as human beings. God understands that we are not one-sided creatures, that we're not one-dimensional, right? And, and because of that, man, the Bible uses all these different types of literature as, as conduits to try to reach the human heart. There, there's, his, there's historical literature in this book. There's poetic literature in this book. And listen, historical literature has a way of, of, of speaking to us, right? It validates things. It adds validity and credibility to things. Poetry speaks to our hearts. It speaks entirely different than history. And I love that because God understands that. And he's given us all of these different resources to reach our heart. And satire is used in such a way that it disarms us so that it can show us what's really happening in our hearts. And we see it right from the very first verse. And so I want you to glance down with me. Let's look at verse one. All right, we made it pretty far so far. So verse one. Here we go. You ready? Verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. All right, let's stop right there. Now, I just want to tell you right out of the gate that if you and I were, were, were in the original audience that read this, we would, after, uh, after verse one, we would have already been chuckling. All right, within verse one, there already is a deep irony and a deep humor that we're going to see in verse one. All right, you're like, well, where is it? Well, humor me for a second. All right, just for the sake of illustration, can we, can we practice this? Can we actually try this? I'm gonna read verse one, and then afterwards, would you give me your best chuckle? All right, let's just try it together. All right, what could it hurt? All right, so here we go. You ready? All right, here we go. And you gotta chuckle afterwards. You really gotta do it. Don't be that person that's like, yeah, I'm just gonna sit here and judge you. Don't do that, all right? <laughs> Laugh. All right, here we go. Verse one, here we go, check it out. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Mittai. <laughs> That's funny. And uh, you're like, that's, why, why am I laughing? Why is that funny? And let me tell you why it's funny. Right, if, you, if you understand a little bit about the Bible, you might know that oftentimes in the Bible, names mean a lot. Um, and, and the names of different characters in the Bible are oftentimes attributed with their actions. So Abraham in the Old Testament, his name literally means the father of many. And Abraham, of course, is, is what is known as the father of faith. And, and his name means something about who he is. Jesus means savior, means God saves. And of course, that was his mission. And so their, their whole, basically their whole mission is summarized in their name. Well, what does Jonah, son of Amittai, mean? Well, here's why it's ironic and funny. Because Jonah means dove and Amittai means faithfulness. And so the story begins and the author says, the Lord called out to dove, son of faithfulness. And everyone would have chuckled. Because if, listen, if you know anything about the book of Jonah, it is that Jonah is the most unfaithful character you could ever imagine. Matter of fact, in the book of Jonah, here's the irony of it. In the book of Jonah, everybody and everything is faithful to God, but Jonah. In the book of Jonah, the Ninevites, who are the most evil, wretched people imaginable, are faithful to God in the book of Jonah. The pagan sailors that we're going to find in chapter 1 are faithful to God. The fish and the storm 
and the vine and a worm are all faithful to God in this story. Everyone is faithful to God except for the son of faithfulness. He's incredibly unfaithful. And then in addition to that, his name is Dove. Dove, which what do you think of when you think of a dove? Doves are pleasant. Doves are gentle. Doves are messengers of peace. Doves are, are so gentle. In fact, in the New Testament, what does Jesus say? Be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. They're gentle. They have a gentle demeanor. And Jonah, you go to this book, he is the most prickly, arrogant, irritable person imaginable. He's not a dove. He's a crab, right? He's snappy. He's, he's, um, he's irritable. He's a crab, right? He's arrogant. He's shellfish. Had, I had to. I had to. I had to. I'm sorry. My boys made me do it. So he's, he's this selfish character. That's Jonah, right? So already irony. Nobody in this book um, acts according to their stereotypes. And that is a classic form of irony. And it's supposed to make us laugh. And it's supposed to do that. Okay, so we see that. But then check this out. Look at this next part. Verse 3. But, uh, verse 2. Uh, God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship that was bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Okay, so now again, if you would have been someone back in this culture and you would have read that, you would have recognized how funny that was. It would have made you chuckle. Why? Because he's using, once again, he's using exaggeration. And, and what do I mean? Well, I think this makes sense when you look at a map. Let me just show you a map of what's happening here. So in the map, uh, basically on this, you have Joppa, Nineveh, Tarshish. Uh, Jonah was from the northern, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, which would have been just above Joppa. That's where that would have been, not too far above Joppa. So God says, I want you to go to Nineveh, right? I want you to go up to Nineveh. That's the direction that he wants him to go. So that's what God says. I want you to go to Nineveh. Well, the Bible says that Jonah, rather than just saying no, Rather than just saying, I'm not going to listen to you, I'm going to stay home. The Bible says that he boards a, a ship on Joppa and heads to Tarshish. All right? Tarshish was 2,500 miles away from where God called him to go in the opposite direction. Uh, that would have been back in, 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 this, in the, the mind of a Hebrew person back in this time. That was the ends of the earth. That was as far as you could go was Spain. Right? And so he's like, I'm going as far as I possibly can away from where God is. Now, here's what you're going to see in the book of Jonah all throughout it. The book of Jonah utilizes exaggeration. Everything in Jonah is huge. The word in Hebrew that's used for huge is used about 15 times. It's a huge fish and a huge storm. And there was a huge city and it was a huge, everything's huge and exaggerated. And all of that, again, is, is to prove to us that what we're dealing with here is we're dealing with satire. It's one thing that all scholars agree on. Now, again, the purpose of satire is to point out the absurdity of something so that while we're laughing at its absurdity, we come to realize that we're laughing at ourselves. So what's, what's the real issue then? What is, it, what is the main theme? What is the main point of the book of Jonah? What is the thing that we need to walk away with? And I just want to tell you a little spoiler alert. All right? Here's what the book of Jonah is all about, and here's what God wants to teach us through this book. The book of Jonah is all about God's grace. The book of Jonah is all about the gospel, the grace of God. And some of you are like, that's an interesting, what, what exactly is that? I, I've heard that term before. What is the grace of God? Well, the grace of God, we actually see it already in the book of Jonah. Here's what grace is. Grace is God's pursuit 
his, his pursuit of loving kindness after those who have run from him. Here's grace. Grace is all of us have turned from God and we have ran. We're all runners. That's what the book of Jonah is going to show us. But God in his loving kindness pursues us. That's what grace is all about. And here's what I think is going to happen in this series. And you're going to be pleasantly surprised at how unbelievable God's grace is. I mean, we think we understand God's grace. This is going to take it to a new level. And God's grace is going to be on display to us in a powerful way. And I'm telling you, it is profound when you see this. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at what this book has to tell us about grace. But I also got to warn you, I think you're also going to be painfully surprised as well. Because what the book of Jonah is going to show us is not just how incredibly lavish God's grace is, but it's also going to reveal to us that all of us have a problem with grace. Some of you are like, now hold on a minute. I don't have a problem with grace. I love grace. Grace is awesome, right? We love grace. We sing about grace, amazing grace, right? We named our church grace. We love grace. I named my daughter grace. We love grace. We love, in fact, if I asked you guys today, hey, is anyone, anyone here like grace? I think we'd all be like, yeah, grace is awesome. I love grace. What Jonah is going to show us, though, is that when you actually think about the grace of God and and you're confronted with how lavish and extravagant his grace is, that we all have a problem with it. And you might not think you have a problem with it, but here's what I believe. I believe that every single one of us has a little Jonah in all of our hearts. And this story is going to bring it out. It's going to bring it to the surface, and he's going to show us about about the grace of God and about the problem that we have with it. So next week... You have to come back because we're going to be jumping into chapter one. I want to do an introduction, unravel some of the misconceptions, kind of set a level playing field as we jump into this book and talk more about the grace of God and the problem that we have with it. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as they do, I want to close with just one final um, challenge for everyone in the room. Okay, so I have a challenge for you. And whether you're a person that follows Jesus or whether you're a person that's investigating, this is a challenge I want to challenge you to take. In your program, you have um, this little, little card here. It says Jonah Connect. And you can grab that if you want to. And here, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Okay, this week, real simple, I just want to challenge you to read the book of Jonah. Read the book of Jonah. Very easy. Four chapters. Like I said, it is less than 600 words in Hebrew. So that means it's less than, a, less than 1,000 words in the English language. It take you no time to read this thing. I want you to read it. Now, now you're going to have a lot of questions, and that's okay. But I just want you to get familiar with it. I want to challenge you to do that. And then here's the other part of that challenge. I want to challenge you this week and through this series to get a Jonah buddy. All right? And here's what I mean by that. I want you to buddy up with somebody. And as you read through the book of Jonah, we're going to each week give you a set of questions that we want you to process through. Just a time to sit down and connect with someone and talk through these questions. And so for you, maybe it's your spouse. For you, maybe it's your kids, maybe the person that brought you to church today, or maybe you have someone in your life group that you can connect with. But would you get a Jonah buddy? And would you say, we're going to read the book, and then we're going to chat through these questions every week. Now, the other thing, I know that for some of you, if you're like me, uh, this card is going to end up on the floor in your car, and that's where it's going to stay. And so we also have on the app and on our website, um, you'll also see that there's a section called the Jonah Connect And if you guys click on that, you're going to find a video that gives a brief summary of what we talked about today. And then you're also going to find these questions to kind of journey through with somebody. So I want to challenge you to do that. Grab a buddy, grab someone and connect as we go through the book of Jonah. Each week, uh, we want to give you different questions and different challenges that go go along with this book. But as we dive deeper into this book, I want to challenge you to get connected in those ways. All right, so Jonah, arise and go. So we start. Let's pray together. 
Well, Lord, I just want to say thank you so much for your word to us this morning. And um, God, I know that, uh, that when, we, uh, when we come to books like this, Father, that there are uh, a lot of misconceptions. It's a misunder- misunderstood book in our culture. And so, Father, I pray that as we dive into this, Lord, that you would help us to come with a humble heart. Help us to leave our presuppositions and our preconceived notions at the door. Lord, help us to, to hear what you want to tell us. And I ask you, Spirit, that, um, that through this book that you would reveal to us the depths of your grace. And God, that you would reveal to us the depths of our own sin, that we all run from you. And Father, I pray that you would use this book as a mirror, that you would help us to see ourselves that we would change our lives and we would take action. And so, God, I pray that um, as we journey through this series, that you would just be with us, help us to process through this together. And, uh, and Lord, teach us what it is that you'd have to show us through this book. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.